0: Hey everybody, this is Cale Clark. Welcome back to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio, and of course also on the Relevant Radio mobile app. We are continuing down the Romans road. That's right, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the most important letter that's ever been penned. And We're trying to break it down together. Now where we left off was in chapter 1, and again, St. Paul is talking to the Gentile world here. He's really laying out the bad news. of sin in the world before he gives us the good news of the gospel but sometimes we don't understand how bad the situation how dire the predicament of humanity without god is until he kind of lays it bare to us in, in shocking ways it's a little bit like knowing that cancer is a problem cancer is a is a scourge that needs to be eradicated in human life and society, but if it hasn't touched your family, if it hasn't touched someone that you know and love, it can become kind of an abstract concept. Yeah, we know cancer exists, but when you've been to a children's hospital and you've looked into the eyes of a child who's dying long before she should, and her parents grieving at her bedside, that's when you know. It becomes personal, and we need to find a cure. Well, sin is also a cancer uh, that's just infected the human family. And it needs to be eradicated, and Jesus Christ has given us the antidote. So this is really where where St. Paul is at, and that's what he's trying to do for us here in Romans. And we left off talking in chapter 1 about how the situation of irreligiousness, uh, of rejecting God leads to idolatry, and that inexorably leads to immorality. And we talked about all kinds of immorality in the last session and then there's this kind of little postscript it seems like a couple of throwaway lines here at the end of chapter one so if you want to open up your bible right now and we'll pick it up at romans chapter 1 verse 28 and we'll kind of take a look at it here and uh, just uh, 28 to 32 paul writes and since they did not see fit to acknowledge god god handed them over to their undiscerning mind, to do what is improper, they are filled with every form of wickedness, evil, greed, and malice. Full of envy, murder, rivalry, treachery, and spite, they are gossips, and scandal mongers, and they hate God. They are insolent, haughty, boastful, ingenious in their wickedness, and rebellious towards their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they, although they know. The just decree of God, that all who practice such things deserve death; they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Okay, so th- this is a quite a, a laundry list of sins here, and, and Saint Paul is not trying to give sort of a catch-all uh, list of all the potential human sins that there are, but uh, it is pretty devastating. There, there's no question about it. Scott Hahn, in his commentary on Romans, kind of breaks apart the list of sins that Paul does give. And he kind of shows how they're emblematic of other things that are wrong uh, with the human condition apart from Jesus Christ. Paul writes that in verses 29 through 31, he says the human beings have become greedy, greedy and really greed. As Hahn explains, it's it's code word for selfishness. It's just one manifestation of that. My friend Cardinal Collins, when he was a guest on The Cale Clark Show recently, we were talking a little bit about St. Thomas More, St. John Fisher, martyrs under the uh, wicked reign, as it turned out, of Henry VIII. And Henry's name, of course, in Roman numerals is Henry VIII. And Cardinal Collins said, really, the I is what you need to emphasize here. It's me, me, me. It's total selfishness. I want what I want and god the church are not going to get in my way. In fact, I'll start my own church to try to stop this. And then Paul writes about gossips. Now, gossiping is is one is one thing. It's a sin unto itself, but really what what's in play here is slander. There's actual murder, you're ending the physical life of a person, but you can also kill someone's reputation through gossip. And Paul will will speak about actual murder in just a moment. But this is something that's a constant temptation for people in the workplace, around the water cooler, talking behind others' backs. And it really becomes uh, extra manifested on social media where people can hide behind anonymous handles and and fake names and and not really say who they are and just take people down, whether what they're saying is true or not. What about those who are insolent? Well, that is actual code word for arrogance. And arrogance can manifest itself in many ways, especially towards God. What about those who are faithless? That's another item on Paul's list. Those who are faithless, it doesn't simply mean not having any faith in God, but it refers to those who are untrustworthy. You you can't keep faith with these people. They are absolutely untrustworthy. And really you could say that faith and trust are really the same thing. When we think about the Divine Mercy Chaplet, Jesus, I trust in you. Trust and faith are in many ways the same thing. So if I can't trust you, I I can't keep faith with you because you can't keep faith, faith with me. What about those who are senseless? And by being senseless, as Han explains, Paul's really talking about those who are irrational. They have no common sense they certainly have no supernatural sense because we need reason we need right reason And, and again remember paul is speaking to the gentiles here and they can know things about god even if they don't have divine revelation paul says remember they are without excuse because god has not left himself without evidence in this world even to those who have never seen a bible they've never heard about moses they've never heard about the law they still have the natural law, which they should have been able to discern. Then Paul talks about rivalries. This is the the excessively competitive nature of humanity. And yeah, competition and and being a competitive uh, spirit is great in the world of sports. And there's certainly nothing wrong with trying to do your best. But this idea of taking other people out, outside of the sporting arena, in the real world, that someone else has to lose. This is a zero-sum game. I have to eliminate those who stand in my way. That's really what's, uh, what's the better sense of what Paul is saying here. What about those who are rebellious towards their parents? Well, Han says, really, that's insubordination. And this is much more than breaking the, the sin of the fourth, you know, breaking the fourth commandment, that sin. Uh, if you're a minor living under your, your parents' roof, it really is a sin if you, if you disobey them, unless they're asking you to do something that's against God's law. Well, we can be insubordinate in many other ways as well. Uh, to a, a boss, for example, who asks us to give us a directive at work. I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay. What about, um, I'll check you out the performance review. What about legitimate authorities in society? Those who wield the sword. St. Paul will talk about this later in Romans. What about the police? Uh, ought we to obey their legitimate directives what if we're speeding they pull us over we could talk about this so there's obviously being insubordinate towards god is is the bigger problem it's kind of a top-down scenario so this this is really what's behind this rebelliousness not only towards our parents but towards other legitimate authorities especially god our father talk about our parent my goodness. What about those who are boastful? Well, we never see that in today's culture, do we? Uh, All the time. It's always been that way. It's been amplified by social media. When When you're on social media, when you're on services like Instagram, I mean, these are essentially built around narcissism. Look at me, especially a medium like Instagram where it's all pictorial in nature. Look at me look at me i i am and sometimes it's a cry for attention it's a cry for for love in a certain sense but but very often there there's a twisted narcissism that's involved here with with these sites and and i'm not picking on instagram here there, there, there are others that that are uh, also to blame and these things can be used for for good purposes there's no question about it they can be used to spread the gospel and make genuine human connections with people pope benedict the 16th always talked about reaching the digital continent for christ but I think we all know that that, that it can be a fuel uh, for more and more selfishness. What about being insensitive to others? That's what Han says is the key of when, when Paul mentions those who are heartless. They have no heart towards other people. They they don't have any compassion towards those who are suffering. And then Paul mentions those who are murderous. The wanton violence that has spread throughout the culture. And it was bad in the first century. It's it's Pretty bad in the 21st century as well. Not too much has changed. But the real basement floor here, as Hahn explains, I'm actually going to quote him here because this is such a a well-said piece here. He talks about those who hate God, those who are haters of God, as St. Paul puts it. And, And Dr. Scott Hahn writes, quote, If any item in this list can be called a standout, it's that people have come to hate God. This is the basement floor of human depravity, the dankest depths to which our race, and by that, of course, he means the human race, has been known to lower itself. And yet, something about it is predictable. Once forbidden desires become like deities that must be served at all costs, then the God who prohibits them will be branded the enemy, end of quote that is such a powerfully worded statement and this idea yeah hating god is really the nadir the 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 the, the basement floor as he puts it uh, of this laundry list of sins and all of these um just the 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 smorgasbord the 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 kaleidoscope uh, of iniquity that paul has spelled out in romans chapter 1 because once you get these desires that are against the will of god and you want to fulfill them then god becomes your enemy because god is saying don't do it don't do it you have to it, this is really all about idolatry right so if you have an idol whether it's another per- because we're worshiping creatures we're either going to worship the one true and living god or we're going to worship an idol it could be another person it could be a sin It could be an addiction that you're holding on to. It could be a physical item, your smartphone, your car, whatever it may be. It's an idol in your life. And if you do worship the idol, you have to make an enemy out of the real God in order to serve your idol. This is why Jesus said in the gospel, you cannot serve two masters. You're going to hate the one and love the other. You can't do it. You can't serve God and mammon. If mammon's your god, then Yahweh can't be your god uh, out of necessity you can't serve two masters so this is really the 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 heights of uh, or the i guess you could say the depths of of depravity here and yet and yet in verse 32 and this is this is a bit of a shocker to read this in spite of all of this paul says in verse 32 though they know god's decree that those who do such things deserve to die They not only do them, but approve those who practice them. Okay, so how do they know? If they're so depraved, if they're so far gone, how in the world can they still know that God teaches that that if you do this, you you actually deserve death? And again, remember, he's talking about the pagans here. How, How would a pagan be expected to know this? Well, Hans says, maybe, maybe it's kind of the vestiges of the garden of eden in the sense that as it says in genesis chapter 2 there is this tree of the knowledge of good and evil from that tree you shall not eat when you eat from it you shall die genesis two seventeen. so could there be sort of the leftovers of the garden of eden somehow in the minds of people that they they, they somehow know this no matter how far gone they get it can't be eradicated and this is why Uh, the Calvinist theology of total depravity, and of course Calvin was sort of the number two gun in the Protestant Revolution after Martin Luther. He had this doctrine of total depravity. Human beings are totally depraved without God and His grace. There's nothing good in them before they become followers of Jesus Christ. Well, we don't believe this in the Catholic Church because God created the world and He created humanity as good. And no matter how far gone somebody is, no matter how wretched of a sinner somebody is, even a mass murderer has some spark of good in them because that person has been created by God. And uh, although they may have tried to smother it and, and to dim the light, maybe snuff out the light of their conscience, there's something still there deep within in every single person. So no one is without hope, technically speaking, as long as they're still breathing. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be punished for their crimes and need to pay their debt to society, but... Uh, there is a possibility of redemption. And, and then really, <clears throat> as St. Paul says, not, not just uh, uh, committing these sins, but, but sort of cheering people on in their depravity. And again, this is, this is something that we see on social media where it's a tool, just like, like money. It can be used for good or for evil. It can be used to amplify the good or amplify evil. Uh, we see a, an example of this is terrorist attacks that are shared far and wide on social media. People are proud of these things, and it's just devastating. So th- this just adds to the iniquity that's in the world. And, and again, without without Christ, as, as you're starting to see here, this is totally hopeless. It's a hopeless situation. What a mess. What a mess. But what a God we serve in Jesus Christ. So. We've really got to um, uh, search for the hope of the gospel here. And again, this is this is Paul talking to the Gentile world. And in chapter 2, he makes a shift here. He makes a shift. Now he's going to be talking to the Jewish world, of which he is a part, uh, a Jew who's come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Because those who have received the revelation from God, they might be tempted to say, hmm, uh, those those horrible Gentiles, but we're not like that. Well, let, let's see what what Paul says here in the next chapter, in chapter two. You're listening to the Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. All right, let's check the next few verses here. Romans chapter two, verses one to eleven. Paul writes, "Therefore you have no excuse, O man, whoever you are, when you judge another, for in passing judgment upon him, you condemn." yourself, because you, the judge, are doing the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who do such things. Do you suppose, O man, that when you judge those who do such things, and yet do them yourself, you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume upon the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you To repentance, but by your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. For he will render to every man according to his works. To those who by patience and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are factious and do not obey the truth, but obey wickedness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Okay, so what he's doing there is he's revealing who he's actually talking to here. So we see in in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore you have no excuse, O man whoever you are when you judge another. So who is the you that Paul is talking to? Therefore you have no excuse. Well, he reveals that he's been talking to this imaginary dialogue partner and it's actually a fellow Jew. Uh, he's using really an ancient technique called the diatribe. and you might you might have heard this this word you know used in a, in a colloquial manner hey, my boss just launched a diatribe against everybody at the sales meeting and just kind of let us have it. Well, in the ancient world, the diatribe was a way to have an imaginary conversation with somebody in order to make your point. You're sort of anticipating the objections that somebody might have. And what he's doing here is he's just talked about the Gentiles, those who don't have the divinely given law, but they do have the natural law and they have no excuse for their behavior because God has given them the natural law as well. But what about to the people of God, Israel? They have been given the supernatural revelation as well as the natural revelation. So Paul says the exact same thing to them that he said to the Gentiles, you have no excuse. And by the way, you, you can look down at some of these sins that are being committed by others think, man, we're not like that. But you are because Paul says you guys are doing the exact same stuff. What do you mean, Paul? I'm not out there committing all these horrific sins that you mentioned in chapter one. Ah, Maybe not exactly those sins, but you're still doing stuff. We'll we'll get into much more of this in the next episode of the Faith Explained. If you missed any of our Roman series, check out the archives on relevantradio.com. Go to the Faith Explained page. And you can also, of course, use the Relevant Radio app. Share them with a friend. I'm your host, Kale Clark. We'll catch you in the next episode. And I'll see you later today, 5 p.m. Central, The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. God bless you. Peace. You know, the word is spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer and you want the whole country praying for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Cross America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.